My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. So I'm going to preach this morning from the reading we heard from the epistle of 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 24, and the sermon entitled today is going to be Knowing Love and Truth. So during Wednesday night prayer, plug, 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 the New Testament readings lately have been from the epistle to the Hebrews. And in one of the readings that we did, the author noted that we as God's people, we have to strive to enter God's rest. He mentions the children of Israel as an example of a group who were offered the promised land as a type of that rest. But we know the story, what happened with the children of Israel. They were unable to enter that rest. The warning there is pretty clear. Like their disobedience kept them from the promised land, through our disobedience, we also cannot enter into the rest that the Lord has prepared for us. And last Sunday, the reading from 1 John indicated that those who go on sinning, right, sin as a lifestyle, practice lawlessness and results in their being of the devil, not of God. And this reading from 1 John ends with the statement that those who keep the commandments of Jesus abide in God. So those who do not keep the the commandments of Jesus do not abide in God. So we see here right away that there is something that we do in our walk with the Lord. And we have to be very careful here, brothers and sisters, because particular strains of Protestant theology have de-emphasized anything that we do, any of our works, because that's seen as somehow trying, us trying to contribute to God's free gift of salvation. But that's not true. God's gift of salvation is a free gift of his grace that he offers to all people who will repent and believe in the good news. But as followers of Jesus, as God's adopted children, as his sons and daughters, we are then to work for the well-being and the goodness, the good of, of, of one another and of others. Those things are not mutually exclusive. We're not trying to earn anything. The context for what we heard read in the, gospel, uh, the epistle of 1 John is John begins this chapter, as is chapter 3, by saying um, we have received the love of God. And then he says that we are to love one another and to not be like Cain, right? That's, that's a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> Cain was a, not a very good guy, right? If you go back and you read Genesis, Cain was the, the, first, you know, the first murderer, right? He did not love his brother. And John's going to make the point, as we see in the rest of this epistle, that we are to not be like Cain and we are to love our brothers and sisters. So if Cain is the one who's through sin bringing sin into the world by by killing his brother, we are then to do the exact opposite and to give ourselves up for our brothers and our sisters. Don't be like Cain. Be the opposite. Maybe I should have titled that the sermon. Maybe I'll change it. Don't be like Cain. (laughs) Be like Jesus. Love, however, is not, as I've mentioned in the past, it's not, you know, the mushy feelings we have when we're around our loved one or our spouse, and it's not the preference for one type of food over another. I like pizza. Well, I like sushi, but I really love tacos. 
no, but I really think empanadas are better. I love empanadas. No, love is something that we do, right? And a byproduct of what we do is, you know, those accompanying feelings. But love is something that is enacted. And St. John sends out something important here, and he talks about two things we should know. And we're going to focus on those two things this morning. He says in the reading, uh, in, in verse uh, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And in verse 17, uh, sorry, verse 18, he says, uh, oh, I think I got this wrong. Sorry, I'm going to edit all this out when I post the audio. That's okay. By this we shall know, verse 19, that we are of the truth, right? So love, we're talking about love and truth. So to know here, by this we know love. To know is not just a mental apprehension of certain facts about the love of God in Christ. When John says, by this we know love, he's not saying this is just your perception of love. He's not saying that this is something that you just know in your mind. To know, as a commentator named Russell points out, is where we recognize and experience God's power and effective presence. It is experiential. It is something that is, that is lived out. Knowing love is defined as Christ laying down his life for us. And this, brothers and sisters, should make us think of passages like Romans 5.8, which says, God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Or readings like 1 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of God controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Love is exemplified in the self-sacrificial, self-giving offering of Jesus Christ given specifically for us while we were still sinners. While we were still alienated from God, while we were still separated from God due to our sinfulness, Christ died for us. We heard in the reading from the Gospel of John, Jesus says, nobody takes my life, I lay it down. We know he lays it down willingly for us. But it doesn't just end there. He lays down his life for us in his love, so we then should turn and lay our lives and be willing to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. And this is a big deal, because Jesus is very willing to go to the cross. He doesn't bypass it. He doesn't try to run away. When my wife asks me to do something like mow the yard or to move some stuff around, sometimes I, sometimes I forget, because I'm a guy, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do it, sure, and I'm not really listening, and I forget. Barry, it's okay, right? But sometimes... <laughs> But I know something needs to be done. I'm like, you know what I'll do instead? Maybe I'll just wash the dishes and like clean up a couple of these throw pillows. And then when she comes home, she could say, oh, you didn't do what I asked. I can say, well, I know, but I look at these two pillows I moved for you. Aren't I wonderful? And I picked up a little piece of dust there on the cushion. Anything to get out of mowing the lawn or, or moving dressers or something, which are two things I did yesterday, which I remembered because I love her right? Christ doesn't bypass the hard stuff. 
And that's interesting, right? When you do the hard stuff as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a husband or as a wife, you find when you do the hard stuff, the rewards for that outweigh the effort and the time spent doing the hard stuff. It's weird, right? So too it is with the love that we show for one another. We shouldn't bypass it or try to run away from it like Christ embracing the cross willingly. We are to embrace laying down our lives for one another in the same way. And St. John lays out practical applications for this. He doesn't just leave it up in the air. He brings it down and he says, if a Christian sees another Christian in need and closes his heart to them so as to not help them, how could they say that they love God? The opposite would be true then. God's love does not dwell in the heart of the supposed Christian who does not love their brothers and sisters in Christ, and one could not even call oneself a Christian at all. Because Christian love does not make itself known in words about love or high-minded sermons about love, it makes itself known through what it does, through its deeds. If I said to you, wow, I love you guys. Right? I said, Phyllis, I love you. But then after service, I went outside and I keyed Phyllis's car. That would probably show that I didn't love Phyllis. Right? Or if while I'm speaking, before uh, I see Rick out in the narthex and he says, hey, Pastor Mike, how you doing? He shakes my hand. I love you. You're such a great guy. Well, thank you. And then he takes my iPad and he smashes it on the ground and walks away. <laughs> Chances are he actually doesn't mean what he said. That's why it's not enough to, to love in word, but also in deed. There is an indissoluble link between love and action, because love is expressed in action as laid out for us by the pattern of Christ. St. Augustine says, If you are not yet able to die for your brother or sister, at least show them your ability to give of your goods. Let love be stirring your inmost heart to do it. Not for display, but out of the very marrow of compassion, thinking only of your brother or sister and their need. Let's talk a little bit about truth. In verse 19, John says, By this we shall know we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before God. So the second thing we should know, right? And we said no isn't just a mental apprehension. It's recognizing and experiencing God's power and his effective presence. The thing that we should know is that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So, we are of the truth. But we will only know the truth to the degree that we love our brothers and sisters. So there's this link, like I said, between truth and between love. You cannot have love without truth, and you cannot have truth without love. And you cannot take truth, and you cannot take love, and set those things in mutual opposition. And I believe that there are too many people doing that in our own day and time. Somebody will say, you couldn't believe that thing about what Christianity has to say about ethics. It's unloving. And then the other person could say, maybe it's unloving, but at least it's true. And you set those two things in opposition towards one another. No, no, no. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Pilate, when Jesus is standing before Pilate, Jesus that Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? Not knowing that the embodiment of truth is standing right in front of him. Since Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, to be of the truth is to be in him, to be in Christ. And the assurance that we have 
that are, we are truly of the truth is born from our deeds of love for one another, right? There's the link. And this is important in the context of the reading from 1 John because scholars will say, well, it's like, a, a, you know, there's like a heresy that's happening in the community there. John's kind of trying to deal with it, but that might not actually be true. It, it might not be that thing at all because there's no really information in 1 John what that you know, heresy could be. There's some other scholars, and I think that this is true. I think the evidence for this is a lot better. Um, and I read a dissertation by uh, a friend of mine, uh, Father Stephen DeYoung, on 1 John a while, fairly recently. And he talks about how what's happening in the community of 1 John is between, between those who are in the church, right, Jewish and Gentile Christians, and a Jewish faction or Jewish members who have left the faith by denying belief in Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about belief uh, in a few moments, right? But you can see then how important this idea of truth and love being put together as sort of the, the, the cure for what ails that community. Okay, they may not have the truth. You might have the truth. Let's try and love them to bring them back. Love and truth work together. They are the key for answered prayer, as we find out here. Now, this is based on our hearts not condemning us before God. And so how do we know our hearts don't condemn us before God? By loving one another and by knowing the truth. When we do that, we then have that assurance that we come into God's presence. We can have confidence to be there because we belong there, because our words and our deeds mimic the pattern laid out by Jesus Christ. When you read the Gospels, did Jesus' prayers ever go unanswered? No. Right? Jesus' prayers were always answered. But here's the thing. Jesus never said, God, you know, Father, you know what would make me more effective in ministry? If I had, like, I don't know. I was going to use a stupid, silly example. A Gulf Stream. If I had a Gulf Stream, I could fly to the Americas and, you know, appear to the Indians and preach to them or something, right? No, he doesn't ask for, like, a Gulf Stream to fly to America. He doesn't, he doesn't ask God, you know, oh, God, please, you know, it would really be awesome if I had, like, a really pair of comfortable sandals because I do a lot of walking. No, Jesus' prayers were never about himself. It was about communion with the Father. His prayers were always answered because he always walked in love and in truth. And when we look at the pattern of Jesus' life, so many people focus just on the loves. Look at this love and acceptance of Jesus. And we should. But then Jesus would also turn and say really hard things like, don't sin anymore. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So when we have that confidence from a heart that does not condemn us, we can have faith that when we ask God for what we need, we will receive it. Now we have to stop here for a few moments. So I lived in a theology for many, many years and that I eventually left when I was a little bit old, older. In my 20s, I kind of became disillusioned. But the, in this theology, they believed that it was always God's will to give you what you ask for if what you asked for was in the Bible. 
So the way that this would work for them is in the Bible, we see God giving people material blessings and, and healing, right? So God blesses Abraham with, with material goods and, and cattle and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, in other places, God will bless somebody with finances or, 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 or with something that they want. So they would look at that in the Bible and they say, oh, okay, God did this for this person in the Bible. That means it's always God's will to want to give us those things too. So the way that we get those things too is by learning to say the right thing and then you have to actually have the right amount of faith too. And, and this is what you'll find in, 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 in popular like sort of Osteen type Christianity, right? Say the right things, have the right attitude, believe the right things and watch all the stuff God is going to give you. But this is, this is not, this is wrong. And, and it's and contrary to the protestations that this isn't a formula. It absolutely is a formula. That's not how God works. What John is talking about here, when we have that confidence from an uncondemned heart and ask God for something, our act of asking should revolve around what we've been talking about this whole time. Love for one another and for knowing the truth. What we ask God to give us that John says God will give us happens when our act of asking isn't for our own benefit or our own gain, but for the love of somebody else. And then maybe the gain for us would be coming to the knowledge or experiencing the truth of Jesus Christ. And also, right, that only comes, he says, from an uncondemned heart. And for many of us, that is a very difficult thing to do because sometimes some people struggle with the terrible things that they've done. And that's the beauty of the gospel, right? That those who come with penitent and repentant hearts, that those who in humility acknowledge their sinfulness, and we see this all throughout Scripture, right? We talked about this months ago with the, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and you should all still remember that as if it was yesterday, because I'm going to quiz you on it in a second. But humility humility to see our own like we did in the lenten prayer of saint ephraim right during those services lord give me the help me to see my own faults my own sins and not to judge my brothers and sisters when we're able to do that then our hearts will not condemn us when we stand before god because we belong there right the book of hebrews says let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need doesn't say come timidly, it says come boldly. So let's talk a little bit about uh, commandments, right? In verse 23, John says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. So John doesn't leave us in the dark about what the specific commandment of Jesus is. The commandment is twofold. We are to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, and we are to love one another. So faith, faithfulness, love, express your actions. These are the commands of Christ we are to follow. And when we do that, we can be confident that we will receive what we ask for from God. St. Bede says, note here that John gives us only one commandment, though he goes on in the next verse to speak about commandments in the plural, adding love to faith, since these can hardly be separated from each other. For in truth, it is impossible to love one another in the right way if we do not have faith in Christ. I'm going to read that again because it's really good, and I think we all need to hear that. For in truth, it is impossible to love one another in the right way if we do not have faith in Christ. 
just as it is impossible to believe in the name of Christ if we do not love one another. There's that link. When we do this, we abide in God and God abides in us. And the Spirit's presence in us is the mark that God is in us. And we see the Spirit's presence in us when we follow the commands of Jesus. And it, it, it's, it's hard, right? Because we don't like the idea that God asks us to do something. right? The fact that God requires something of us, that God commands things of us to do, we don't want to do it. We don't want to hear it. Many of us are like, maybe just me, I don't know. We're like teenagers. I don't want to. I don't want to love my brother and sister in Christ, especially that one person that was really mean to me. And I met at church a, a couple weeks ago. I'm just throwing that out there. That didn't actually happen here. I'm just using that as a silly example. I don't want to. They sat in my favorite seats. <laughs> I said a couple weeks ago, don't be mad if somebody sits as a visitor and they sit in your great-grandmammy seat, right? It's going to happen. But I've been sitting in that seat since I was a kid. I don't love them. Well, tough. Get over it. It's okay. But we don't like this idea that God requires of us something, that he requires love from us for one another. Not even, he doesn't just sit there and say, you have to love me or else I'm going to get really mad at you. He says, no, you guys need to love each other. You need to love one another. And that's hard because we don't want to lay down our lives for one another. We don't want to do that. We don't want to give ourselves for the good of one another. I forgot to mention this, but we <laughs> when I had the announcements at the beginning, so I'm sorry, but we're going to be doing this thing with Bright Hope um, uh, pregnancy services uh, in the Lehigh Valley. We're going to be doing a fundraiser where we're going to collect bottles and we're going to hand them out. You're going to fill them with change and bring them back. And that money is going to support uh, pregnancy testing and STI testing and uh, all sorts of testing that's offered by, this pe by these people for free. They do free counseling. So they help young women who are, are pregnant and won't send them out to you know, Planned Parenthood for abortions or something, right? We have to love indeed. We might not want to do that because I don't want to give extra money to help these people. I don't want to give money for, for whatever. The shingles blew off the roof. I don't want to give towards that. I don't want to give food to somebody in the church I know who might need it. I don't want to deliver them food. Maybe somebody in their family died. I want to eat this myself. I made this delicious taco salad, and God, you're, I really feel like I need to share it with Bill because you know, Bill just lost somebody, but I just really want to eat this myself. It's my favorite meal. God wants me to bring it over and share it with Bill. We don't want to do that. And I'm using silly examples here, right? Because I, want, I don't want anybody to think that I'm talking specifically to you, even though I'm talking specifically to you. And me. We don't want to change anything about ourselves. But this is the thing, right, brothers and sisters, that, that God, when Jesus says, be perfect, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and that puts us ahead of just about everybody else in the Bible. God gives us the Spirit. And it's not just changing about, it's not just a matter of changing our morality. It's not just a matter of changing our moral behavior, even though that is a part of it. It's our being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. 
And we don't want to give up our sinful ways of living. We don't want to give up our selfishness. We don't want to love our brother and sister in Christ. We don't like the idea that our family in Christ is closer than our own blood relatives. We don't like that idea, but that's true. This command, it it grates against everything we're conditioned to believe. It goes against everything our culture holds true. And though it might feel hard, in reality, it isn't as burdensome or as difficult as we think because it brings true freedom, not the false freedom we think that we find in ourselves or in our selfishness. No, our, our, our true freedom is found in Christ, following the commandments of Christ, believing in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and loving one another. Like St. Bede said, we can't love one another in the right way if we don't have faith in Christ. Just as it's impossible to believe in the name of Christ, we do not love one another. And I pray that that link between faith, belief, truth, and love, that that would be true in all of our hearts. That, that would be not just something that we say, but it would also be something that we each practice out in our lives. And so I'm going to give you all a homework assignment. I'm not going to check it next week. Don't worry. Uh, so it's all on the honor system. But what I'd, li- <laughs> what I'd like you to do is this week, I want you to think about somebody that, well, I don't want to make this too difficult because I actually want you to do this. So I want you to think about... <laughs> Helping somebody else in a practical way, right? Think about somebody that you know. Think about uh, maybe a, a member of the church. Maybe somebody you're kind of estranged from. Think about how you can practically show somebody in your life love this week. And if they ask you, why are you doing this? Say, because I love Jesus. Jesus loves you. I believe in Jesus. I want you to believe in Jesus. And so what I'm doing for you flows from that. I'd like to pray about that. If you can't do it this week, I'll give you a couple of, take a month to think about it, think of somebody, and uh, how you're going, how you're going to, to do that. And so may the love exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ, may that love live in and through us. May we believe in him, and may we love one another like he loved us as he gave himself up for us while we were in our sins. And so to Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and his all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If you have a few minutes, I'd like to ask you to go to gofundme.com slash zionstonechurchrepairfund. Our bell tower is in need of some major renovation and repairs, and we could use whatever help you're able to give to us. If you'd like to find out more about us, check us out on our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks again for listening. I pray that these sermons will continue to strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ, and may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you.